Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Praise God. Well, welcome everybody and welcome if you're online this morning. And uh, we're thankful for all of our Helpers, volunteers, media team, praise and worship team, everyone in this church, we are so thankful for you. We want to honor you this morning. And we also want to honor everybody who, and and that means everybody, because I'm sure all of you are promoting our Heat Hub, and you're praying and everything. And so thank you for everyone, every single one of you, who have either been there, or you've gone and you've walked the streets of (laughs) Kawinning. putting leaflets through the doors, or whether you've been at home and you've been interceding for the heat hub, because that means so much. That means so much. It really does. So praise God for that. I'm, you know, I'm trusting that God, and I know that God is taking us from level to level to level. And just as, just as Pauline said this morning, man makes plans in his heart. We make plans, and then all of a sudden God says, I'm sorry (laughs) to disappoint you, but your plans aren't what I've determined for you, and then so we have to to change. So isn't it? One thing, you know, in our Christian lives is flexibility and adaptability. Um, Otherwise, we would just be like the stubborn mule that keeps on, like, you know, banging its head. Anyway, I have a message that's been on my heart for a few days so I couldn't ignore it. And the title of this message is called A Merry Heart Does Good Like a Medicine. (laughs) A Merry Heart. Now, you know, sometimes in life, you know, we laugh with people. Sometimes people laugh at us. Sometimes we laugh at other people. And all sorts of things, you know. um, You know, joy, joy comes out of so many different situations and sometimes even the most the most uh, not tragic but the most unfortunate situations can produce joy um one of my pupils got his finger stuck in the handlebars of a bicycle this week and (laughs) it was really funny (laughs) and he was laughing about it and we weren't laughing at him we were laughing with him and after five minutes and copious amounts of fairy liquid, we eventually got his finger out of the handlebar, and he, he learned a valuable lesson. And, and so I just think, you know what, and it just changed the whole mood of the whole class, actually. And sometimes, you know, I don't mind people laughing, laughing at me or laughing with me, because sometimes we do just do silly things. And so joy is joy is important, and another story um, concerning a, a local restaurant very recently. Um, uh, one of our local restaurants was broken into, and um, the 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 vagabonds who were inside the restaurant, I suppose, looking for whatever they were looking for. And of course, you've got all of this expensive alcohol and all and there might be money lying and all this anyway I don't know what happened but I do know one thing someone said that they would have got away with it had one of them not pulled up his balaclava when he was passing the cake trolley (laughs) and he had a cake he had a cake and they would have got away with it but the lure of the cake display was too much 
And I just think to myself, you know, sure, you don't go breaking into places and stealing stuff, but that's so funny. That's so funny. You know, take your, you have a cake, you know. You were doing so well until you decided that uh, you, you know, there was a cake there. So anyway, you know, in, in every situation, we can probably choose to look at the glass half empty, glass half full. I guess that's, that's life. And um, in Proverbs 7.22, it says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries our bones. And I believe that the prescription for sick hearts, for sad hearts, I believe the prescription is joy. I, I believe it's joy. I really believe that. And um, I believe that joy is the great restorer. And joy, is the, joy, joy has healing qualities. Joy brings healing. And having a glad heart, having a joyful heart and a joyful spirit, it will bring health into your physical body. It will bring vitality into your physical body. And this is not a railing against doctors or medicine, but I believe that where scientific medicines fail or where they don't succeed, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine that scientific medicine cannot touch it. And so we're not saying this morning that medicine is not useful or don't take medicine. But we're saying that God's word says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. It has curing power. Yes. Curing. Now, I don't know if anyone here has ever been cured of, of a disease, but if you've been cured of a disease, you ain't got the disease anymore. You've been cured. And so, you know, having a heart that will even, if you've never tried it, begin to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord begin to rejoice, and our bones and our bodies will begin to react to that. They'll begin to flourish. Amen. I also believe that a merry heart, a joyful heart, lengthens your days on earth. It gives you a long life. <laughs> and, and because I'm sure many of you will appreciate the current pressures in our lives and in our society, the mental health problems and, and everything else, the despondency and the despair. And many people do not want length of days. They want their life to be cut short. And that's a terrible thing. But a merry heart will lengthen your days. Amen. It'll lengthen your days. And in John 15, Jesus is talking about joy again, and he's talking about the fullness of joy in our hearts. And Jesus says in John 15, and he's, this is all whilst he's talking about love, the love of God. He says, these things I have spoken unto you that your joy may be full, full, full up with joy. And we were just chatting with, with, with Gail before the service. It's like your mobile phone bars on your, your, your phone. And, you know, it's like the it's low battery. You've got one bar. And it's like you, you have to get your, your phone into the wall so that you can see those bars coming up and recharging. And, um, and, and so Jesus wants our joy to be full, full to the top. And I also believe that God is the greatest physician that I'll ever know. And I trust in him and I believe in him. 
for, for, for my healing. I believe in him, as I'm sure you do as well. And some things I don't, I don't know the answers for. I'm just going to be very honest. One day I'm going to get to heaven by the grace of God, and I'll say, Lord, I need to know all these things that I didn't know. Why, why did this not happen? You know, I've, al I've always trusted for the restoration of sight in my eye. And I, have not, I don't have that yet. But I've never, I've never, I've never let it be disturb my peace. I just say, Father God, if it's going to happen, it'll happen. If not, it'll just be another trait I have because my pupils are always confused. They don't know who I'm looking at. So who, who, I say, you take the register in the class and they're like, do you mean me? You know, when they don't really know you very well. So I'm good with whatever. But, you know, some people are always trying to keep their bodies well, but they neglect their heart and their soul. And the most important thing is that the heart is a wellspring of life. So if we focus on our bodies all the time and we neglect our hearts and we neglect our souls, we'll probably just stumble into poor, poor health and, poor, and a poor welfare. And in, back in September, I spoke about, uh, I had a message called Rejoice in the Lord Always. And I remember in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, there was, there was a, uh, a turning point in the lives of the people in Nehemiah 8. And the crux of it was this. Nehemiah, it says, you had a people, they were all dejected and sad. They were all sad. To the point of walking about weeping and crying, they were sad. They were really sad. And the reason why they were sad is because they had asked for the law of Moses to be read out to them. So Ezra began reading them God's word, the, the scrolls. And I believe that through the reading of God's word, they'd all come face to face with who they were. They'd come face to face with their condition. And they were convicted of the way that they'd been, been relating with God. So they were sad. They were dejected. And Nehemiah, it says there, and, and from verse uh, in 10 and 11, it says, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing. This is sacred. This is a sacred day before our Lord. So don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't be sad and don't be dejected because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, the Levites, they quieted the people down, telling them, hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. So all of a sudden, a huge turning point in their lives, God's word was being read to them, but for the first time, they were understanding what God's word meant. And it turned their sadness into joy. It turned their dejection into celebration. I thought, wow, that's, that's powerful. And so you can imagine all these people, the walls of Jerusalem have just been rebuilt. They're all standing there. I can imagine if it was us, it would be me, Linda, Nathan, and Rachel. And we'd be looking at a certain spot on a wall where Nehemiah had said, right, McLaughlin family, you're going there. And you're going to rebuild that bit of the wall. And we're looking back on this wall. And we were told that is where you will defend. You will watch. You will build. 
And then that's what's going to happen. So we're all looking back and we're, oh, we're really proud. Look, the walls have come together. All the families working together. The walls have been rebuilt. And we're looking at this wall, this fortress. Oh, it's going to be great. No one's going to get at us. And then all of a sudden, in light of what's being read to them, they begin to understand that there's no natural wall that can be their defender. There's no, that's not their protection. Their defender was Jehovah. God was their protector. So while they were all rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, what they, be, what they eventually understood was, this is fine, but really, our, the way we relate with God, we got to know him as our defender and our protector. Amen. And this, this realization brought a great joy. Amen. There was a condition attack attached as well. God's protection wasn't just, I'm going to protect you no matter how you treat me or what you do to me. His protection was conditional upon one thing, obedience. He says, if you will obey me, if you, if you stay obedient to me, I will protect you. Amen. A great, under, a great turning point and joy came in and they celebrated. And so a, a joyful heart celebrating we celebrated this morning with the team for who God is, what he's done, for, for raising us up on eagle's wings. Amen. You know, sometimes we feel like we're running with the turkeys, but he will raise us up. And every, I'm sure that you all have, that the one thing that will stick in your mind is the story of the eagle soaring above the storms and everything else, and he's just, he's not even flapping his wings. He's just letting the currents, he's just letting the thermals, he's just there, he's just like this. This is, you know, it's so majestic. You know, isn't it awesome the way God just uses such majestic language in his word? The, his animals, his creation, his creatures, majestic. And so, joy, happiness, cheerfulness and are so transformational and it's so far-reaching that it's no surprise that the enemy of our souls wants us to deprive us of joy. He wants to deprive us of happiness. He wants to deprive us of all of these great, um, I say feelings, but they're actually states of being, a state of being. Proverbs, there's a, a few different um, translations of Proverbs 17, 22, but one is a cheerful heart's a good medicine. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart. So is a cheerful heart a sign that your spirit has not been crushed? You know? Is a cheerful heart a sign that your spirit hasn't been crushed? The joy of the Lord is different to mirth or natural joy. So you can see people who may appear happy, but it's the joy of the Lord that is the sign of a spirit that hasn't been crushed. And some, because, you know, you know, stiff upper lip, the whole British thing, just get on with it. Smile and, smile and crack on. But I, I believe that God has a joy for us that's the antidote to depression. It's the antidote to dejection. It's the antidote to a crushed spirit. 
Proverbs 15:15 says, "All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart has a continued feast." A continual feast. Nehemiah 2.2, the king said to me, why is your face so sad though you are not ill? This could only be because your heart is sad, because of the sadness of heart. Proverbs 12.25, anxiety weighs down the heart of a man, but a good word cheers it up. So here we see here as well that a cheerful heart is, an, is the antidote for anxiety and worry too. And when you have someone come alongside you and encourage you and they give you a good word, that's just the, the tonic, you know? Because many times, you know, if you have not, you know, if you've been in a season where you've just, uh, what, what can I say? One of those seasons, a dry season, sometimes someone will come next to you. They'll give you a word. Because sometimes in a dry season, you don't go to God's word. You say, um, you know, I'm just, I'm here. Someone will come. God will send someone to minister to you. Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart is life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Amen. A tranquil heart, a peaceful heart is life to the body. But envy, envy, jealousy, all of those things rot the bones. And that's, I take that literally. It actually begins to, to deform and, and emaciates you. All of these things begin to drain, starve you of, this, of, the, of the spirit of life that God wants you to have. Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but who can survive a broken spirit? So a broken spirit's a very terrible thing. Terrible thing. Amen? So where do we find joy? Where do we find joy? I don't mind people shouting out. In his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his word in the fact that we're saved, salvation. We can rejoice and be joyful because he is, the, he is the God of our salvation. Where else can we find joy? We can find joy in forgiveness. You know, I think that many of us wrestle with unresolved issues like, am I truly forgiven? Father God, am I, am I, am I truly forgiven? And to, under, to know and understand that, yes, you have been forgiven. Yes. Joy. But when we wrestle with the uncertainty of God's grace and his forgiveness, that's, that, that's, that's a serious obstacle in our lives. And it can be there for a long, long time. We are, you, we are forgiven. We are forgiven. Amen. Amen. So just believing in him should fill us with joy and with peace, amen? Because we have been justified by, God, by, the, by his righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, amen? We've been forgiven. We've been pardoned by his blood. The blood of Jesus has pardoned you. He atoned for our sins by his sacrifice, amen? So forgiveness is also linked. Go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Jesus is in town, 
and the people bring him a paralyzed man. When Jesus saw their faith because they brought their friend who was paralyzed, paralytic, he said to the paralytic, be of good cheer because your sins are forgiven. <laughs> be, be of good cheer, be joyful and be happy because your sins are forgiven. Now, if, if those are the words of Jesus and they are, thanks be to God. Be of good cheer because we're forgiven. And we can all share in that. And that is why the body of Christ bound together in unity and peace is because is, we're an organism, not an organization. And I think that sometimes we think we're an organization, but we're actually an organism. We're, an, we're a family and, um, and, and we have relationships. And, 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 and just because, you know, um, things don't always appear the way we would like them to appear, it doesn't mean to say that anything is really different. God still sees us as his family. And he gives us all the strength to work things out and to do what we need to do. And I really believe that. Amen. I think Jesus meant, when he's speaking to the man, be glad. You have just been set free from all your guilt and shame. All the sins that you had in your past life, I've just said to you, be glad, be happy. You've just been set free of them forever. They are now as far as the east is from the west. And I tell you what, if you keep walking east and you keep walking west, you'll never meet yourself again. They'll never come to, when you go east and somebody go, you'll never, that's it. That's how far apart they are. But on the other hand, if we, if we say, okay, the Bible talks about a condition of the broken spirit, the mind-body connection, one affects the other. And sometimes you can look at a person's countenance. Sometimes I even look at my own countenance in the mirror and get a fright. You're not going, surely you're not going out the house like that today. You look, you look, you don't look happy. <laughs> but you, you, you can normally, you know, it actually has a physical effect on our body. Not only our countenance, our face, but sometimes our bodies, they begin to stoop. They begin to hunch. They begin to, they begin to look broken. Our whole frame, we sing, that, we sing that song, Cornerstone, about the sweetest frame. It's talking about Jesus' body. And sometimes our whole frame can be broken down and it becomes feeble. And in extreme cases, the will to live begins to disappear. When our hearts sorrow so much, our spirits are sinking and they're breaking and we become starved, emaciated. But really what is being starved is our spirit. Starved of hope, starved of joy. And we need to address that. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Unless we have a clear understanding of the good news of the gospel, the sense of sin and guilt will plague us. It will plague our consciences. We will not get free of it, and it will just drag us down. So Proverbs 18, verse 14. I know you let your fingers do the walking through the Bible pages this morning. 
It's been a while since we've had so many scriptures. I appreciate the media team. They're doing a great job keeping up. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. So the gospel brings spiritual joy. But the law, or the sometimes what we look at and the reports, the Bible says, whose report will you believe? Whose, whose report are you going to believe? And if we decide to go too much to the report, natural reports, we, it's like looking at God's word without understanding it. We will just, we, we get broken by the, the, by the facts. We think it's inescapable. Someone has told me that this is what I've got and this is what's going to happen to me. Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? The report of the Lord's. And so I believe that we should, we, 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 that I'm just, this is just an encouragement to stir up your hearts, to look for reasons to be cheerful. Sometimes they're not going to just jump into your lap. Reasons to be cheerful. God loves you. God's peace surpasses all understanding. God's promises are yes and amen. And if his promise is in his word, he is not going back on it. God's provision when we had nothing, we had everything. It's like that, uh, that, that, that story of, the, of the, the rich king, the rich and grumpy king, who grabbed one of his servants one day and he says, I want you to go out and find me the shirt of the happiest man on earth and don't come back until you've got it. And so this servant went out and walked all over the place and eventually, months later, with trembling and f with fear, he came back to this, this grumpy, wicked king who was really rich. And he says, I'm really sorry, um, but uh, I, can't, I couldn't fulfill your request. He says, where's my shirt? He said, well, my king, I did find the happiest man on earth, but he wasn't wearing a shirt. <laughs> Amen. He wasn't wearing a shirt. And so sometimes our, our uh, you know, the way we think of what happiness is, is the world's happiness is not as God's happiness. Amen. God's manifestation, another reason to be joyful, because his manifest presence, in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is healing, forgiveness of sins. And just as we sang this morning, Another reason to be cheerful is for God's amazing grace. And his grace sustains us. While we're doing the work of the ministry, whatever you're doing in your sphere of life, God's grace sustains us. His grace strengthens those who follow him and believe in him. Because troubles, the Bible says that tribulations and troubles will come. But his grace is sufficient for us. So we can bear up underneath those troubles. So grace, the pack, what we get in the package of grace is awesome. Go to James chapter 4, verse 6 in the Amplified. Uh, here's me assuming you've all got an Amplified Bible <laughs> on your lap. But he gives us more and more grace. The Amplified Bible says he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud and the haughty, but he continually gives the gift of grace to the humble. 
to the people who turn away from their, themselves and self-righteousness, he continually gives grace. And not only does he give you grace, but he gives you more and more and more. It's like multi multiplying grace. And do you know that his grace includes healing? It includes healing. It includes provision. You know, we're all coming to that merry time of year when we'll have a tree in our living room. But I bet you if I come into your place in, you know, after Christmas, I don't think I'd find any unopened presents. No chads. We're, we're like, it's like my, my niece Jessica, when she was small, she was, we used to say, high speed, high speed Jessica. She was the fastest ripper opener of Christmas presents you ever knew. Nothing, it was just like paper, shreds of paper filled the whole room. But you won't find unopened gifts under the tree. But why is it that through the cross and God's grace and the grace of God for us, under that tree, Calvary's tree, there's still gifts underneath it that have never been opened? We open all of our presents on Christmas morning, and the, the very gifts that Jesus Christ made available to us are still, for some of us, lying unopened underneath the tree of Calvary. Yeah. Yeah. And we need those things. Yes. We need healing. Yes. Healing is wrapped up in what Jesus... Jesus' sacrifice has had healing wrapped up in it. Like a Christmas present is wrapped up. His sacrifice had healing, was a box with healing written on it. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble and grace involves healing, God's will, then it means that healing grace is multiplied too if he gives more and more grace. But pride blocks grace. So whenever we decide we're going to rely on ourselves, we're going to seek our own wisdom and everything else, that blocks grace more self, less God. Yeah. More self, less grace. So humility is important. Humility simply means to agree with God and to depend on him. You know, this has been our prayer this, this last couple of weeks, Linda and I. That's our prayer. It's been our prayer every day. Father God, we, are, we depend on you. We're depending on you. We're depending on you. End of story. We're de we, we are... We are, we are discovering new levels of our dependence on God. We depend on you, Father. So, humility is agreeing with God. And that sometimes means that we have to bring our flesh down low. Humility is not an upward trajectory. It's a downward thing. Whose report shall we believe? Humility, humility will agree with what God has said even when the facts disagree. Yeah. So I know I've, I've been sick and the facts are that I'm sick. I know I'm sick. But humility says, Lord, I know that I'm experiencing pain and sickness in my body, but your word says that I am healed. Yes. It's not me saying I'm not sick. It's not me saying... It's not me denying the facts. The facts are I can't get out of my bed because I'm sore. But humility is saying, 
I'm choosing to believe your report. I'm lining up with your word. I'm not lining up with what I, how I feel. I'm acknowledging how I feel, but I'm not lining, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out the rest of the day and then cement that into reality by saying, I am this and I am that. Amen? So, if someone says, I'm hurting, they're not lying. They're not lying. They're not telling lies. They're hurting. They are hurting. But we're agreeing with the source, with God. Amen? We're agreeing with what God's word says. Amen? Because it's the greater authority in our lives. And I'm just, you know, we're all, we're all, well, most of us are Scots, and we've got a lovely guest from Sweden with us this morning. Miriam is here, but for, and, and actually Sweden probably outdo us maybe with mountains, I'm not sure, but I'm, uh, we're Scottish and we have mountains. We have mountains are in my blood. And so the facts are that there's, this, you know, if, if I, I love just looking at the word and saying, right, literally there's a mountain that's in front of us, this behemoth, this giant hunk of granite, and it's there. And they're, they're there. I can't deny that Ben Lomond is there. There's Ben Lomond, this great mountain. But Jesus says, if you will say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And you, have, you do not doubt that in your heart, but you believe what you say, you shall have what you say. Yes. Now, if that mountain is, if that's Ben Lomond, or, or if that is something that is bringing dis-ease into your life, and it's a, it appears like a mountain, the facts are it's a mountain. I can see it with my own eyes. But God says, if you can believe, if you can believe. So that, what do we do there? We invite the arm of the Lord into our situation. And what happens when the arm of the Lord comes into our situation? He manifests his goodness and his presence, which means that we can have, it's not blab it and grab it. It's, 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 it's Lord, it's, it's not me saying, do you know what? I, I need this. And it's like, and God's like, David, it's not my will that you have this. So why are you con continually asking for it? You know, it's, and so I can be in ignorant, total ignorance. But when the arm of the Lord comes in, the manifest healing power of God comes in. And the facts must bow to the authority of God. So the facts may be mountainous, behemoth, intimidating, but they have to bow to God's word because otherwise we can just, can we all just leave church this morning if we're not going to believe God's word for what it is? We're not. No one's moving. We're all staying in our seats because we believe this. From Genesis to Revelation, we believe God's word. And if we come into agreement with, and I'm sorry I'm, I'm using, I, I know that I knew this wasn't going to be easy this morning because I recognize and, and you know, our hearts really feel are heavy for people that have to, that, that, that struggle with pain and with other things and with in mental health situations in life's lack, basically lack. Let's just pay, say lack. But if we come into agreement with the lack, if we come into agreement with the pain, if we submit to it, you can't resist it. If I, you cannot resist what you surrender to. 
So when someone comes to me with an AK-47, the first thing I do is I, I put my hands up. I surrender to the threat. I've surrendered to the threat. I can no longer resist the threat because I've surrendered to it. But if I do not come into agreement with it, then I can stand on God's word and I can resist it. Now, I don't know how long it will take for the answer to come through, but I can resist it. And God says he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. It's a form of pride to agree with the world's report above God's report. It's just pride. And that is why Lucifer was cast out of heaven. It's just pride and took all of those other angelic beings with him. It was just pride. It was pride. The root of everything is basically saying, Lord, you don't really know. You don't really know how I'm feeling. You don't really, he's like, I know. He knows. He knows. So, do we own our pain, our lack, our poor circumstances? Do we own it? Does it belong to us? No, it comes from the it comes from the pit of hell. And in my case, it comes from stupid decisions. It comes from ignorant choices. The devil gets the blame for everything, but sometimes I'm just, we just do silly stuff that lead, that get, you know, it's like putting your finger into a handlebar. <laughs> oh, I put it in, now I can't get it out. So we don't deny it. We acknowledge that's the situation but we deny the right for the symptoms of those things to remain in our body. You have no right in my life. You have no right in the name of Jesus. And then God will give us grace to walk out that, that time in, in the time in which it takes for that to turn around or for it to be addressed or for us to bear it or bear with it or whatever the case may be. That's why I said I'm going to have lots of questions when I get into God's presence. So things are getting worse and there, there's, you know, there a rising generation that are growing up with totally, their, their view of the world and everything else is totally different. And now, now with everything that comes through our mobile devices, we're fed so many reports. What, who, what will we believe? Because so much of it is manufactured, it's deceitful, it's false. It's designed to precondition our lives, to precondition us for something that is coming in the future. We have to recognize what's coming and say, mm -mm, no, because if you take this, Father God, give me the wisdom, that will lead to that, will lead to that, will lead to that. Before I know it, before I know it, I'm coming into alignment with the world. Very subtly over a period of time, because it's deceitful and the devil is wily and subtle. You don't, it's not, he doesn't announce it. It just begins to happen. We recognize the signs of the times as Christians, but we don't come into alignment with them because we've got a greater authority over our lives. Amen. So I just want to close this message this morning saying we can disagree with God if we want. And I know that there's many great people in the, in the Bible that wrestled with God. And it doesn't matter, you know, we can have that relationship with God where we can cry out. Most of the time when we cry out, it is because we're hurting. 
We cry out because something is, 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 is pressing down on us. But we need to, sometimes we can un, subconsciously or unconsciously dis, keep on disagreeing with God because it's a way down deep in our hearts. And we can see the symptoms of that are joyless, joyless, joylessness. And so what do we accept? What, whose report will we believe? If we need deliverance, we've got to exalt the truth above the facts. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And sometimes if we just like, well, I don't know if I can take anything you've said this morning, Pastor David, I, I'm really struggling. Then there's another verse in the Bible that we can go to. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, tr I believe, but help me to believe more. Help, help my unbelief. Help that. Amen. Ask him to show you your heart. Ask him to reveal what might be the cause of your unbelief. And then give him rain, free rain. He's the miracle worker. And God wants to heal us. Matthew chapter 13, here's the last scripture. Matthew 13, verse 14 and 15. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people have been hardened so their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so that their eyes can't see. And their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me to let me heal them. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal us. It's there they cannot turn to me and let me heal them because closed ears, closed eyes, hard heart, and God's saying, I want to heal you. Amen. Sometimes we're in a, in a situation for a long time. The thing that can break the situation is humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility is not weakness. Humility is strength. Humility is not, you don't have to be crushed. Humility is actually strength. It actually requires more to be humble because pride is arrogance and pride is deceitful too. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. Praise God for that. God is good. Amen. All the time. Now, um, this morning, uh, before we take our tithes and offerings, I, I'm, I'm going to do something very different this morning. Will you all bear with me? So, um, we, we have Miriam with us this morning. And Miriam um, has a word by heart, but I want, and I'm going to give Miriam the opportunity to share it, and it's only going to be two or three minutes long. But Miriam's word by heart is in her native tongue. So it's in Swedish. Would you give her the opportunity to share that? And I, thought, and I thought before when I was speaking to Daniel and Miriam, I thought, we're all from Kawinen. We're not going to know what's going on. But I feel in my spirit that there's not only the people in this room here this morning, there are people online. 
this, this service is going to go up on YouTube, and someone somewhere might click on this, and some, something that Miriam has to say may be, although we might, not, we might not understand it, but we'll just trust the Holy Spirit. I know what it's about. We're going to let Miriam share that with us for a few moments. Miriam, why don't you come and share that? Okay, um, so I had a story prepared, but I also feel to share another story. It's a little bit shorter than the one. Uh, so it's about uh, the story about Martha and Mary. Um, so yeah, see if you can catch some Swedish. Medans Jesus och hans läringar var på väg, kom de in i en by. Och där var en kvinna som hette Martha som tog emot dem i sitt hem. Marta hade en syster, Maria, som satte sig vid herrens fötter och lyssnade uppmärksamt till hans ord. Marta däremot var upptagen med alla förberedelser. Hon kom fram till Jesus och sa Herre, bryr du dig inte om att min syster har lämnat mig och sköta allting själv? Säg till henne att hon kommer och hjälper mig. Men Jesus sa Marta, kära Marta. Du bekymrar dig och oroar dig för så mycket. Men bara ett är nödvändigt. Maria har valt den goda delen och den ska inte ta sig ifrån henne. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.